Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. So what we're talking about is what I just talked about. You are ministers. Did you hear me? You are a minister. You, you're like, no, no you. And this is this game that we play. And if you're in Christ in this room, and I don't know if everybody in here is a Christian, but if you are, my job is to equip you. And we're going to spend this whole month. So last week was, here's the gospel, now go share it. And we just went yesterday out on Miami's campus, got super awkward, but got to share the gospel with some people. And it was fun. We were like, hey, we'll give you $5 if you'll talk to us for five minutes. And I, we didn't meet a lot of people that turned us down. Would you talk to me for five minutes for $5? You're like, I guess I'd bear it. Uh, so I'm not paying you to listen to me today, so leave when you want. But this week is all about, hey, what does it look like when the Bible says that you are a minister of reconciliation? When the Bible says that you are an ambassador of Christ, I number one think half the room doesn't believe that about themselves. That means the pastors and the teachers have done a really bad job of actually equipping the body with who Jesus says you are. If we know who we are, we'll live from that place. And so I want to really, I'm going to lean pretty heavily today, uh, but then next week we're talking about prayer, which is the prayer training. Each of these weeks and months of this year, it's not, not just like hear, hear a teaching, it's like hear a teaching and then come grow more. Hear a teaching and then come and let me show you how to do it. Hear a teaching and then not just here's how to share the gospel, but like come out with us and go with the leader, which is what we did yesterday. And we're going to do this again. Come out on Miami's campus with a guy like me that's got a really stupid personality. And I will go grab a college student and be like, here, talk to my friend. And then you get to tell him about Jesus. It's really a fun time. And college students aren't scary. Well, some of them are, but they're not. All right, so open your Bibles. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians 5. That's where you're headed. Uh, I'm going to lay the groundwork with some questions about Jesus. Uh, Anybody in here know that as a Christian, you are supposed to be like who? Great, you're in church to say, Jesus, right? Jesus is who we are trying to emulate. I want to be like him. We are followers of, we are servants of, we are lovers of, I go all day long, just Jesus, man. And so will you tell the normal Christian what your life's supposed to look like? And if they ever pause, I just want to be like, Jesus, your life's supposed to look like Jesus. You're a follower of Jesus. You're supposed to imitate God, the love of God, the work of God, the love. I mean, all that he did, I want you to be like Jesus. And if you get little Jesuses, little small Jesus, I'm picturing all of you, in all the places that you go. So in dorm rooms, in Armstrong, in a gym, and wherever you go, and you're acting like, thinking like, and walking like Jesus. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Joy. Yeah, if you're in a gym and you go be Jesus, what would happen in the world? Well, then they would encounter Jesus because you're imitating him. The problem is most of us don't think we can be like him. So I ask, these, I ask questions because that's what Jewish rabbis do, and I'm not a Jewish and I'm not a rabbi. But how did Jesus live and minister? So if we're supposed to imitate him, you should probably figure out how he lived. And when he ministered to people, how did he do it? And then what, how do I mimic that? How, or am I supposed to do that? Is it a normal thing for me to try to be like Jesus? And so number one, how did he relate to the Father? 
So Jesus Christ, God incarnate, second person of the Trinity, walked the earth. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And he's constantly going off by himself to secluded places. And who is he talking to? The Father. You can't say Jesus this time. Sorry, guys. He's talking to the Father. And he kept saying these statements, I only do what the Father is doing. And even now, the Father is at work, so therefore the Son of Man must be at work. In John 5, it says, Jesus gave them this answer. They were asking the same question. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. So you're like, you're thinking, because you're a normal person and you have questions like me, well, that's the Son and the Father, all right? Obviously, there's a connection there that just can't exist between me and God. Well, John 15, which we all like to quote about abiding, says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do no thing. I broke that apart. Nothing. You can't do anything. So the Son of God incarnate says, okay, I can't do, I only do what the Father does. And he says, but if you're in me, but if you're not in me, the Son says, you can't do anything either. So we're looking at Jesus and doing what he's doing and following his lead. And if we're not connected to him, then we're not doing anything of value. That's how Jesus related to the Father. Well, how did Jesus live his life? Everybody walk through Jesus, like just play a little movie in your head right now. What did Jesus do as he walked the earth? All the varying things. Think about them. You want to yell them out, go ahead. What did he do? What's one thing Jesus did? Go. Healed. Everybody does everybody start with that? He did. He taught. He died. You did it, Jesus. You died. No one ever says that to people at funerals. You did it. Um, that was morbid. Okay. I've, the ADD kicked in hard. We're back. All right? So you look at Jesus' life, the Son of God came, and he starts his ministry off, and he goes, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He goes into the synagogue, and he reads the scroll of Isaiah, and he says, this is fulfilled in your hearing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, the recovery of sight to the blind, the releasing of the captives. And then he goes out, and he does that, and yeah, he seems to heal a whole heck of a lot of people. He seems to sit with a whole lot of sinners. He seems to look at people that the world goes, I don't think we can use you. And he goes, I don't condemn you and your sin is forgiven. And then they just start losing their minds. He's, he also casts out demons. He, so the kingdom of darkness comes up against the kingdom of God. And guess which kingdom wins? The kingdom of God always wins. The son of God walks and he says, you've heard that it was said, but I'm telling you this new revelation, this new truth. You've heard that this, you've heard that you shouldn't even like, you know, don't commit adultery. But I tell you that if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you're committing adultery where? In your heart. And he just like took the law and he made it bigger, better, and beautiful and applied it to the men and women's hearts. So in Acts 10, we're actually given a summary of Jesus's life on the earth. Did you know that? They're kind of testifying to our Lord. And they say, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good in healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. It's a good summary, right? So if anyone ever asks you, what, what was Jesus' mission? What did Jesus do on earth? You read him Acts 10, 36. He was 
filled with the Holy Spirit and power. He did good. He healed all people. He, anybody that was oppressed by the devil, he got rid of that. And God was with him because he was God and God was his father. So now that's him, right? That's, that's Jesus. Whose spirit is in you? You can say Jesus now. You don't have to say the Father. I know the Trinity is rough, but like Jesus said, it's better that you that I go away, that the helper comes. And in 1 John 2, 6, it says, whoever says he abides in him, that him is Jesus, ought to what? Ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So Jesus Christ, full of the Holy Spirit, walked in power. The Lord was with him, and he healed, and he uh, set at liberty those that were oppressed. He proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor. He touched sinners. He touched lepers. He was constantly doing the work that the Father was doing. And somehow in there, you get to this century Christianity, and we think, I, don't, I can't do that. And I go, you, we must do that. The reason you didn't beam up to heaven when you got saved is because that's the work we need to be doing. And the world is desperate for Christians that truly Christians have lived in this hypocritical life for a long time because they're not walking like Jesus, they're walking how they're comfortable. And I want to challenge you to step out and kind of look at this, this, this idea from like, all right, if I'm to be like Jesus, how did Jesus help people? How does God help people? How about that question? If you were to go from Genesis to Revelation and look at the whole scope of Scripture, how does God help, rescue, serve people? And it's not always just like, here's the gospel, and that's a big part of what we do. But he walks up to people that are bent over for 18 years, and he casts a demon out and heals them. That's all we know that happens to that woman in Luke. He walks up to a man whose son, he keeps getting thrown into fire and almost drowned by a demon, and he casts that thing out and brings life and healing. Now, you can go to the other side of this. He has a woman dragged to him who's been caught in the act of adultery, but she's being used by the men around her to try to trap Jesus. And all he says to her, does no one else condemn you? Neither do I. Go and sin no more. So as we look at how does God help the people. I'm going to use someone else's sermon for a little bit. You're like, you can do that. I'm just letting you know that I am doing it. I think it'd be bad if I did it and didn't tell you. Uh, so there's a sermon out there called 10 Ways God Helps People, all right? And I'm just going to summarize it really quick. Because some of us, we only work in one framework. But if you understand all the ways that God wants to help people, you'll understand that it's not just one thing, it's many faceted ways. So if someone is sick, guess what I would like you to do for them? What did Jesus do when he met somebody that was sick? Who are you supposed to be like? Now you don't like that, some of you, because you're coming from a background like mine. But if we're going to enter into this world, we need to go like Jesus, not how we're comfortable. So just, just break it down, uh, and I'm not giving you the name of the guy that gave this sermon because I don't actually want you to imitate him, but this was really good stuff, so there you go. The first way that God helps people is in this form of sin and repentance. So sin, which you are, if you're a Christian kid, is truly missing the mark, but sin in the Bible is actually more explained as like it's like a stain that begins to affect you and cripple you, and define you, and identify you, and it shackles you. And so when the Son of God comes, one of the main things he does is he deals with sin. 
And so, so often when I get in conversations with people and I want to be like Jesus, the number one thing I need to lead them into is repentance because sin has claimed them. Sin is telling them and the devil behind it, you're not worth the love of God. You are trapped by your mistakes. You are a failure. No one could love you. That's the normal thing that I encounter in people. So if I'm gonna be like Jesus, I can go, there's a man who died on a tree who can get that sin off of you. He'll take the stain off. It will require you to do one thing. Repent, renounce, turn from your sin and have the Son of God make you clean. This is normal Christian talk. And it's true. Jesus is the only one who can get sin off of humanity. You can try to do so many things. You can pour anointing oil all over your body. It won't do it. I've tried. You can go to the far east, get a carpet, face the west, and say all the prayers you want. It will not get their sin off. Jesus will. What does the world need? The sin taken off of their life and restored back to God. So when Jesus encounters people, once again, that woman caught in adultery, this is the scene. She's in the act, the Bible says. We don't know where the man is, which is why, why don't we drag that fool out there and beat him? Uh, they grab the woman. They grab her half naked in front of Jesus and a whole bunch of self-righteous dudes. They say, we caught her in the act of adultery, Jesus. What should we do? Well, all the Jewish guys know the law, so what do they do? They pick up rocks. Jesus does the cool Jesus thing, and I just want to be like Jesus. He just scoops down. He's like writing in the dirt. People like to fight about that. It doesn't matter what he was writing. And he says, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And from the oldest, because they should be the wisest, to the youngest, they start to drop their rocks. And then before long, it's just Jesus and a half-naked, sinful, adulterous woman. And I don't think he stood over. I think he like stooped low and he went, daughter, does no one condemn you? Neither do I. Now, who's talking? The Son of God, the second member of the Trinity. I only do what I see the Father doing, Jesus. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So you know what the world needs? People that know Jesus' love and forgiveness and lack of condemnation. You want to be like Jesus? Go announce that sin can be taken off. Go announce that repentance will lead them to freedom and righteousness and a hope. Jesus did it everywhere. So that's one of the ways that God helps people. Sin and repentance is a category that God definitely deals with. The cross, you know why it's so cool? Because it deals with our sin. The thing that separates us from God, Jesus dealt with by dying on the cross. He took your sin, put it on him, and then poured out the punishment on Jesus, and now we don't have any. That's great news for somebody that feels beat up. I had a conversation with a kid yesterday. I say kid, I feel old. I'm 40, he was probably 20. Kid, okay. But for you, some of you in this room, you're like, you're a kid, thank you. And he, I asked him the question, like, do you know for sure if you're gonna go to heaven? And he said, I don't even think you can know. And he said, last night I was at Brick Street and my phone got broke and I don't feel worth any of that. So what did I get to tell Jack? I got to tell them that, yes, sin is real, and it's got you, but the Son of God came to take it off of you. Do you want that, Jack? And he was like, I do. 
And I was like, yes. And I was like, do you want to do that now? And we explained, I explained a lot more about repentance and the Bible and Jesus and knowing him, John 17, all this stuff. And we got right to the moment where I was like, I'll lead you in a prayer. And he was like, all of a sudden, he was just like, I don't know what to do. I can't do it. And he ran away. So the world needs this. They need that category. But they also need the other category. Sometimes God would show up and he'll deal with idolatry and worship. So if you come to somebody and you just deal with sin and repentance, they might actually need, first need you to deal with the idols in their hearts. So the rich young ruler, you know that story? Uh, a, a young man who's got a lot of wealth comes up to Jesus and says, you know, I want to follow you. Jesus says, go sell everything you have. And he was a very rich man and he went away dejected. Why? Well, because there's an idol there. And so the God of the Bible says, you shall love the Lord your God and him alone. The first commandment is, that's it. And so as you look at the Son of God, what he's doing as he walks the earth is he's pointing out idols. He's pointing out you are worshiping something that will not give you life. In the Old Testament, you can see it real clear because they like set up poles, ashram poles, and they set up and they burn their kids to these gods and these bales. In this today day, there's just as many idols. There's just as many things that have taken the souls of men and women and been replaced. They've pushed God out of there and they've put something else. And sometimes they feel like very normal things. They're things like your self-image. They're things like people's perception of you. They're things like money. And God goes, if you put me as central and worship me alone, all this other stuff, you can still touch it, but it doesn't own you. Jesus says to this young rich ruler, go sell everything you have, not because he's like, oh, I want to be petty and have you sell everything to prove something. He's trying to inject, eject, get it out, ejector seat, an idol. So when we interact with people, uh, I don't think it'll be a normal occurrence that you're going to walk into somebody's house and they have a totem pole and they're bowing down and sacrificing things to it. Probably not. Anybody in this room walked into a situation like that? Maybe in another country, they might have an actual idol, but what God does in our earth is he's going, there really is no other God on the earth. All other gods are an idol. They can't see, they can't speak. So what would be the most Jesus thing to do is to begin to say, hey, there's a worship that'll lead to freedom and there's a worship you're giving to idols that will lead to death. And you're like, that's hard, but that's what Jesus did. Jesus also dealt with condemnation and forgiveness. This world lives under condemnation. I'm not good enough. I messed up too much. I did too bad. I did too good. Like, and it's really weird how we walk. But when you watch Jesus walk through the Bible, he's constantly finding people that are condemned and then giving them forgiveness. Have you ever looked someone in the face and go, God's forgiven your sins. Go and be free. You're like, no, I didn't know I could. If they've repented of it, you can. So you're acting like Jesus. I mean, Zacchaeus, the wee little man, he's a wee little man. Um, I always say it in Irish accent, I don't know why. But he's a wee little guy. That's what the Bible says. And you sang a song about it if you're a Bible kid. And what's it say? He, they heard, he heard Jesus was coming to his town and he was too short and he was like, I can't see him. So he climbs a tree. And then Jesus, because he's so cool, stops under that tree. Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house. 
Now, church kids or not church kids, Zacchaeus's profession was a tax collector. Hated by his people, full of condemnation. No one liked him. In fact, they hated him and would have avoided him. So he's probably safer in the tree. Jesus goes to his house. Zacchaeus invites his friends. And by the end of that meal with the Son of God, Zacchaeus, all we know is by the end of that meal, he's giving back all he stole, double, and the Son of God, Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. Forgiveness, life, condemnation was here, but now forgiveness has arrived. Why? Because Jesus showed up. Who are you imitating? There you, somebody's still got it. Everybody else is like, I don't want to say Jesus because then I got to act like him. And the reality is you're not him, but you know him. And he's waiting for a people to go, God, I want to be like you and I want to do the work that you did. So when you find someone full of condemnation, you don't have to pronounce sin and forgiveness. You get to go, you're not condemned. Do you want forgiveness? You also see that there's oppression and deliverance in the Bible. Anyone here ever met someone oppressed by the devil? And some of you are like, I don't know, have I? You ever met someone that it seems like there's a power or a force that's taking hold of them that they can't shake and they've tried? We chalk it up a lot of times, and rightfully so. There really is uh, mental health issues in this world. But when in the day when Jesus walked around, you have things like the demoniac the, in, the, in the tombs in Luke 8. He gets out of a boat. This guy comes up. Uh, not wearing a whole lot of clothes, but he probably was really, really, really dirty, long hair, growling. What do you want to do with us, son of God? Has our time come? And he casts out this thing called legion. And when Jesus casts out the power of hell, what happens? The man is restored. And he says, I want to go with you, Jesus. And he says, no, go back to your family. Tell them what I did. Well, I don't think he actually did say tell them what they did. He always always telling people, don't tell them what I did. You see this with the woman bent over, which I already talked about. For 18 years, a woman was bent over, the Bible says. I don't know if that's like this. I don't know if it's like, I don't know. It's just bent. She could not stand up straight for 18 years. And in one moment with the Son of God, he casts out, it doesn't say he heals her, it says he casts out a demonic spirit. And when he did that, what did she do? That would be such a cool moment, would it not? You're standing there, all of a sudden Jesus walks in, there's a lady like this, looking all crazy. <gasps> Maybe she didn't look crazy, but sorry old ladies. Um, ADD, cool. And then like, then Jesus is like, did he, did, he, did he say anything? Did it just happen? But all of a sudden, she's like. That's how I see it. You see how you want, all right? Maybe it was less dramatic. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but then it says she's healed and restored and upright. She went from oppressed to free. So when we only think in the categories we are comfortable with, sin and repentance, which are huge, because sometimes sin leads to people bent over, sometimes even physically. And getting them to repent restores them. But sometimes they are oppressed by the spirits that are dark. And we have the spirit of God in us. So I've met people and we have cast demons out of them and then they are well. 
And you're, some of you, your, your Christian box that you built just went, what kind of church am I into? A Bible one. One where we look at the Son of God and what he did and we go, God, we want to be like you on the earth, not like us. We need his power and we need his ministry. So yes, sin and repentance. Yes, idols and worship. But yes, oppression and deliverance. He also, a lot of times, would deal with what I call slavery and leading people into freedom. People, when they habitually give themselves to sin, the Bible says that if anyone is, anyone, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. It's like building your own chain-like chain and then wrapping it around your wrists, wrapping it around your heart, wrapping it around your soul. And this is why sin is a huge deal and why when we get together on a Sunday, I'm always like, if you have sin, confess it. Confession is the gift to the church. Satan's the one that tells you to hide it. Satan's the one that wants you to hide it in the dark and not bring it into the light. Jesus was constantly challenging his disciples to live in the light. And so when we live like slaves, we're living not as what we've received. So Romans 8 says, the spirit you received does not make you a slave again to fear. The spirit you received is the spirit of sonship, daughterhood, that leads us to cry out what? Abba, Father. The spirit we received is not one that shackles, but that one that frees. So if I'm going to be like Jesus, when I meet someone that's shackled by sin, shackled by some stronghold of the mind, shackled by their experience, you know what I get to do if I want to be like Jesus? I get to announce freedom. And then I need to pray and actually be like, okay, Lord, do I need to lay hands and pray freedom over them? Do I need to announce truth to them? What do I need to do? And that is the next one. There are lies and there are truth. Anybody ever met someone that's just, you knew they were believing a lie. Like you're like, they, they keep saying this thing about them and it's not true. I'll never be good enough. And I'm like, that's a lie. And when Jesus met things that were not true, he confronted them with the truth of God and there's power in the truth of God. You know why we make a big deal about this book? This is my Bible. Because it's the word of God and it's true and it tears down strongholds, and it's effective. It's actually called the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's the only offensive weapon we are given. We got a helmet of salvation, a breastplate of righteousness, a belt of truth, and feet fitted with the gospel of peace. And then he says, and I gave you my word, which will cut down lies. Do you want to be like Jesus? Then when you meet somebody that's got lies on their life. What you get to do in the most loving, beautiful way possible is say, that's not who you are. You can go Old Testament and New Testament on this. Everybody know who Gideon is? When, when he was first called by God, where was he? Y'all don't want to talk to me at nine o'clock, so I'll preach aggressive. Uh, he was hiding in a wine press because he was scared. And the first thing God says to him is, mighty man of valor, 
So what was it? He believed a lie that he wasn't something, and then what did God do? Told him what he was. So if you want to be like Jesus, guess what you get to do? Look at a bunch of sinful, broken, condemned, unforgiven people and announce what God thinks about them. That's a good occupation. Lies and truth. Brokenness and healing. Jesus just had a way of finding the one. He always turned aside to the one. And I think the reason a lot of you think that you're not ministers or ambassadors, and I haven't even gotten to that text yet, it's going to be a long day. It's because we're convinced that the thing that Jesus cares about is big rooms, and he does not. He cares about the one. And he always turned aside to the one. The first person Jesus told that he was the Messiah was a woman that had been married five times. And she wasn't even Jewish. She was a Samaritan. He goes out of his way to the well where she will be and then tells her everything that she's ever done. That's her words. Did I, I met a man that told me everything I did. It's true. You ha, this is not your husband and you've had five others. And in that encounter, what does the son of God do? He takes someone that's broken and he brings healing. When I first asked, what did Jesus do when he walked on the earth? You all, a lot of you, you went, healed. That's not your voice, okay? You have a big boy voice, but healed. And when we meet broken people, what we think is, oh boy, I hope they don't ask me to pray for them. But you have the spirit of God in you. And you're gonna be like Jesus. Do you wanna know the place that I used to avoid? And you're gonna be like, you did? I used to avoid hospital rooms. It's the last place I wanted to go. I hated it because it's awkward, right? You ever been in a hospital room where it's really heavy? You're like, I hope I don't say something stupid. And in my line, I say stupid stuff all the time. So I would avoid it. Or I'd be like, John, you're better for that. You should go. Do you know where I think Jesus loves to hang out? Funeral homes, hospital rooms. That's where Jesus hangs out. You want to be like Jesus? Go to the broken. You want to be like Jesus? Run towards people that don't think they deserve forgiveness. You want to be like Jesus? Someone needs healing? You'd be like, I don't promise anything, and I'm not a healer, but I know the guy that is. And then in the most Jesus-like, can I touch your body? Because he, he seemed to, 97.2%, you can do a word study if you want. Every time Jesus healed, he touched. So don't make a law out of it, but there's something about the Son of God touching a human. And there's something about humans who want to be like the Son of God, touching other people and going, in the name of Jesus, be well. I don't see it every time, but I do that every time now. And I watch people who are broken. And sometimes they'll come to me and be like, it'd be like I told you about Glenn, and we're praying for his knee, but then somehow while praying for his knee, God heals his heart. but it's going to take us to be like, I don't want comfort anymore, I wanna be like Jesus. I don't want comfort, I wanna work in the ways that you work, God. And then you have three more, and I'm gonna actually read them and then go on to our text, because I kind of made a promise I wouldn't go over, but I might break my promise. Jesus and God, when he helps people, he also deals with defilement and cleansing. The woman with the issue of blood was defiled. She was not allowed in the temple. She was not allowed in the city. She was not even allowed around people. 
when she touched Jesus' cloak, she was actually making him unclean in the law. You know, everybody know what I'm talking about? The moment where he goes like, who touched me? Because power went out of him. He took something defiled, unclean, and made it clean. Uh, you also see God deal with folly and wisdom. So some of us, you love this category because you love the Proverbs. Now, that's real. You ever met somebody that they're in a bad way because they're just stupid? That's a little, that's folly, right? They're like, I don't know why I'm poor. I just bought 1,700 gallons of cigarettes. You're like, I bet we can figure that out. Cigarettes don't come in gallons. I know, whatever. It's been a while since I've smoked. Okay. But folly is a real thing. Like, that's making decisions that aren't wise. And so the Bible has natural wisdom. And when the Son of God walked the earth, sometimes it was like, don't do that, dummy, do this. And people need God people who will go and be like, there is a wisdom from heaven that will lead the life. God also, he does injustice to justice. And he declares that in the end, when all is made right, all injustice will be put away. And justice will come to the earth. So now you're like, well, what about me? And what about that verse you told me to turn to in the beginning of this 45 minutes ago? Glad you asked. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20. I'm going to read it. We'll break it down. This is the first part we're going to break down. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Anybody in Christ in this room? I'm not going to make you raise your hand because then the people that aren't, you're going to raise your hand. They're going to be like, ah, Okay. If you are in Christ, what you were is no longer. This is a critical inch is what I'll call it. You have to know this. I have Christians that come into my office and they don't know this, so they live not like Jesus, they live like sinners. You are not that anymore, you are new. The power of the cross is to take a human heart that is stained by sin, that is oppressed by the devil, that is full of all greed and malice, and expel all that and make it new. You are a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. If you're a Christian in this room and you came to Jesus Christ in all sincerity and you said out loud, Jesus, I believe that your death paid for my sin and that you crucified and you died and you rose from the dead and you're gonna save me and you're saving me now and I'm gonna be with you forever. And you not only say it with your mouth, confess it with your mouth, but in your heart, you sat down into that faith. You were like, I'm going to live my life based off that declaration. I believe you're a new creation. What Satan has done in the church is convince God's kids that they're not. Punch Satan in the face with this verse. The next time you hear, I'm not good enough. I don't think God likes me. I don't know if it took. You take this verse, say it out loud, say, shut up, Satan, I am new. Jesus himself made me. So you didn't do it. It's not because I burned my Tupac CDs and my pot that God likes me. It's because Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of God, made new when I came to him. To preach this over yourself, people. You don't think you can lay hands and pray for somebody for healing because sometimes when you're back here going, I'm still a sinner. You are not. You are saved, you are sealed, and you are now sent. Fight that fight. 
Maybe you're like in some of those categories. You're still like under condemnation. There is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Why? Because the law of sin and death was canceled out by the law of the cross. All this is from God, all this newness, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Now, you could argue that that's the apostles talking, but he actually says, therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, and anyone that's a new creation in Christ is therefore a minister. So I'm gonna have you do something. You're gonna hate it. I did a Wednesday night group, made them do the same thing. They all sheepishly said this. I want you to say out loud, I am a minister of reconciliation. You're gonna, you're gonna say it, and you don't have to say it, but I would like you, you ready? Three, two, one. That feel weird? I got, I got, somebody's like, no, I'm a minister of reconciliation. Good, you should walk, not, not pride, not cocky arrogance, but like, that is what you've been made. You've been made new, and now God goes, you're a minister. And the people that shook their head on my Wednesday night might be the same people that just shook their head, no, I, I can't be that. Because somewhere in there, you decided that you weren't good enough, you wouldn't have the right answers, I don't know what to do, I don't know the Bible like that guy. That's not the qualification. The qualification, did you come to Jesus, did he make you new? Therefore, you are a minister of reconciliation, bringing people to God. And God helps people in a lot of ways. We just decided 10 different ways and categories that God likes to bring life. But he also doesn't stop there. He says, verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So, you are a minister, but what else did he do? He just gave you another title. You are an ambassador for Christ. You ready to say some more words? So I, I am an ambassador for Christ. Some of you are still like, I don't want to say that out loud. I don't know. Now think about what an ambassador is. If I know King Jesus, and I do, and he sent me to do the work that he did, that means when I show up, I bring the authority of the king. When I show up, and I have the right, because he's told me, go therefore, I've given all authority in heaven and earth to the Son of God, go therefore and make disciples and teach them to obey what? Everything that I taught. Not just sin to redemption, but all that I taught. Walk like me, talk like me, be like me. Find the broken, lay your hands on them. Find the ones that are condemned. Tell them that there's freedom in the name of Jesus. Go, go be like Jesus. Uh, and a, a true ambassador has the ability to apply the work of the king or kingdom that he comes from because he's got the authority. That's you and I. You, where you go, the kingdom of God can manifest because the spirit of God is with you. So if we are ministers and you are ambassadors, it means God is, and I love this idea, God is looking at people and be like, come to me, come to me. That's what your life should be as an ambassador. Do you want to come to God? Do you want to know him? 
He can free you. He loves you. Oh, you're oppressed? Get out of that guy. Like, oh, you need healing? Come on, Lord. I mean, oh, you want to, you know, that's the life we get to live. But when we sum up Christianity as you better behave and you better sit there and memorize and you better not move out of your little box, that's not the life God called us to. He called us to this ministering ambassadoring. Ambassadoring? That feels right. Life, sure, yeah. So what's holding you back from that? Which means if I am an ambassador, when I meet somebody that needs healing, I'm going, well, sure, my king sent me. When I meet someone oppressed by the devil, the kingdom of heaven wins. And I have the kingdom of heaven with me because I have the spirit of God who's from heaven. I'm not afraid of anything. So I want to do one thing, and then uh, I'm going to actually, we're going to, end, we're going to go back into worship, Dave, because I want to step into this stuff. Some of you still don't believe me. You're like, I'm not a minister. You're a minister. Well, I'll do it right back at you. You're a minister. The first time someone really told me this, and they were like, put an expectation that I should go lay hands on the sick and cast out devils and all this stuff, I was like, I don't like it, therefore I don't think you're right. That might be you, and that's okay. It took me a solid three years before I took a step into any of this. I had to like wrestle with sovereignty. I had to wrestle with what, what my understanding of biblical text. I had to, I had to do this work where God was freeing me from me because the biggest obstacle to all of this was I wanted people to like me. If you want to be like Jesus, you're going to be the weird one in the room. If you want to be like Jesus, you're not going to care about the crowd. You're going to laser focus on one because the spirit of the Lord will be upon you and he's gonna say, that one is the one I wanna to free today. Now, if every person in this room right now, I'm commissioning you, you are ministers of the gospel of reconciliation to God. You get to go find those that are condemned and apply the forgiveness of Jesus. You get to find the ones oppressed by the devil and kick him out, expel them with the authority of an ambassador. You get to go find those that are full of sin and dark things and announce that there is redemption and reconciliation to God. The rest of your life. So every gas station, every McDonald's, every Walmart, every classroom, every dorm room, where could Jesus show up? There. Because you, you are there. And that was God's plan. That was God's plan. So I would say this, if you're like, man, I don't know. I, I, once again, I just wanted to put that pastoral like, peace on you. It took me a good three years to walk in this. I'm real cemented in it now. But I want to read that same scripture over you out of the message Bible, like the translation of the Bible. Because uh, it's a little, and just, if you want, can you close your eyes and just hear the word of God? And as we start to close, I'm going to read this. And then I'm going to invite prayer teams up, and the band's going to start singing, and you are free to go, stay, sit, whatever. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20, out of the message. Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. They are created new. The old life is gone, and a new life emerges. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him. 
and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We are speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you ask? Well, in Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. Father, thank you for the word of the cross. Thank you for 2 Corinthians 5, which is your word, that you call us ministers and ambassadors. I thank you for every soul in this room that you knew they would be here. Abba, I ask in the name of Jesus for the Holy Spirit to fill them with boldness as you stretch out your hands and that you would begin to teach us to be a body that doesn't just study what you did, but does what you did. And I thank you that everybody in here, from the newest believer to the oldest, can walk in this. And so I ask for moments that you would put us in this week where healing could be applied. And although it might sound scary to us that those that are oppressed by the devil, we would meet them that they could be free. That those that are trapped in sin, we could announce the year of the Lord's favor. I thank you that there is, there is a freedom from sin. There's a freedom from the devil. There's a freedom from bondage. And we know it because we know you. So as we end in prayer, church, I want you to stay in that attitude of prayer. But the reality is some of us, we're caught in those same things. And before you go to minister freedom, you need to be free yourself. And so as the band's going to start playing and worshiping, the prayer teams are going to come up to these tables. And if there's sin that you need to repent of, come repent of it to, their, to them. Bring it to the light and let Jesus apply his righteousness. If there's idolatry, you are not worshiping God and God alone. Let's, let's cut that idol down today and let worship of God and God alone happen. If you're under condemnation, there is forgiveness. If you are oppressed by the devil, there's deliverance to be had. So thanks for hanging out with me a little longer than I expected. But we're going to give God the room like we started today. And if he walked in the room, everything changes. So welcome to, you're welcome to stay, linger, ask questions. You're also welcome, like, if you're like, man, I just, I, I got to go. Bless you, man. We love you. Go be Jesus. Go follow Jesus. Go act like Jesus wherever you go. Prayer team's come on up. Worship team, let's worship. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.